Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. Welcome into the show. Quick note to our listeners that you can find the Bucks Wire Podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. So, you know, if you'd like to hear me gush over Tom Brady's untouchable legacy, and it is untouchable, and you'd like to hear Luke brag about all Tampa Bay sports championships over the past couple years, then do us a favor, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Luke, I'm a subscriber to the podcast, so last week while I was playing with my newborn baby, the podcast popped right on my phone, the one you and Steve did. I got to listen and not listen to my own. I didn't have to hear my own voice. It was great. Uh, got a, a week off from my own voice, but uh, no, nah, it was fun hearing the show last week. It's good to be back. How much have I missed? What have I missed over the last couple of weeks? I mean, first things first, man. Congratulations. So happy for you and Appreciate your family. That. That's Thank you. Uh, I've got two of my own that are older than I'd like to admit right now. And, and it's just, there's nothing like it, man. So congrats to you guys. You missed uh, an ass whooping last week. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I did watch um, it. I did watch it. It was an ass whooping. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, you know, when, when basically all you're talking about is Brady and, and Arians just being pissed off that they didn't hang 50 on the bears. That's, uh, you know, that there, there were some trap game possibilities with this, but, but looking back to last year, we talked about it in the last show. The Bucks have had this game circled for a while. They wanted to come out and prove that they're not last year's Bucks from week five uh, and absolutely dominate. That's what they did. They went into the half 35-3. Could have hung a lot more on them like they did against Miami a few weeks ago. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it's fun when you can press publish on that game story <laughs> right as that knee goes down and the clock's still running it's really really nice no 35 to 3 at halftime your game story's written right you're 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 good you're ready to roll glorious yeah that's that's good that's a dream right there i mean yeah you're right like what a difference a year makes like last year they have a hard time with that team and nick Foles, and this year with justin fields and yeah that's that was my takeaway that was one thing i wanted to ask you this week luke because i know you do a lot of work on the draft and you probably did a lot of work on justin Fields scouting him and stuff and Man, is how worried are you about him, right? Like, he doesn't have a good offensive line. He's had, I think they're switching the play callers on him. The head coach kind of seems like a bozo. In, uh, but in seven games, I mean, him on the field, never mind all that other stuff going on, him on the field, he just hasn't been good at all, right? He's, he's completing 57.3% of his passes. He's got the lowest quarterback rating in the league, lowest completion percentage, lowest average pass yards per game, only 116 passing yards per game in the modern day NFL. It's crazy. He is really, really struggling. And I'm worried that the, I like him. I'm kind of rooting for him, but you, you worry that the bears are just maybe Matt Nagy threw him out there because of what fan pressure or whatever. He, he said over and over, he was going to ride with Andy Dalton Instead, he goes with Justin Fields and man, the bucks made him look like a high school quarterback and he had no chance in this game from the very beginning. So I'm worried the bears are going to ruin this kid. Yeah, I mean that's that's my worry too, and, and that's because if you you know if you've watched any of these Bears games closely enough, if you come away from that game thinking Justin Fields is the problem, I you know I don't know what to tell you. Again, I, I did scout him very heavily. I had him ranked very highly. I think that the gap between just Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence was very small, and I think the gap between those two guys and the rest of those quarterbacks who went in the first round was much bigger. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I feel about Justin Fields as a player. So obviously that's going to, you know, people will say I'm, I'm being a homer to that evaluation by, by kind of 
pushing the blame away from him so far this season. But, but you know, at that position, as a rookie, you have got to have certain things to even have a chance to succeed. And, you know, Sunday was just a perfect example. of If you want your rookie quarterback to have any ability to understand what he's seeing, you have to give him more than a second and a half in the pocket. You know, he's got to actually be able to go through his reads. And when he gets to read number two and just Jason Pierre-Paul's bionic, you know, arm club comes <laughs> hammering down on the football before he can even get to, you know, second read. I mean, what are you going to do there? I mean, I don't know how you can blame that on a rookie quarterback. So, you know, he's got one of the best receivers in the league in Allen Robinson. Doesn't seem to be helping much. Um, you know, the defense didn't do them any favors, obviously, in this game, putting them behind so, so quickly. But, I mean, it, you know, a, a rookie quarterback against Todd Bowles is just an unfair situation any way you slice it. But when you throw that offensive line out there, pretty sure they lost their right tackle three hours before the game to the COVID list as well. So, like, even an already bad offensive line lost one of their starters. So, I mean, it's just not – it's not a recipe for success. I think my biggest concern going forward for Justin Fields is this may just be my opinion from what I've seen and gleaned of the way Matt Nagy has handled this situation. He, he appears to me to be the kind of head coach who is more interested in wowing everybody with his scheme and his smart prowess and his, you know, philosophy on the game and showing everybody how he's, you know, the next great thing in terms of offensive development and football, than he is molding an offense around what his quarterback does well. And I think, that would be why he was so adamant about sticking with Andy Dalton because he went into the season thinking he's going to be the plan. I got to have a guy that fits the way I want to call plays. And then when that doesn't get the job done and you have a, now a first round pick that you traded up for who has a different skill set, and you're, you're not willing to, to wholeheartedly hand him the reins. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like this quarterback isn't the kind of quarterback skill wise that I want running my offense because I don't think it's a good fit. So I'm going to keep him on the bench. Or then when I put him in, I'm going to still force him to run my offense instead of making things simpler and easier and, and fitting his skill set. All of those things are setting your guy up to fail. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, he's just dead on arrival in this game, right? They they win the toss. They take the ball. They go three and out. They punt. They give up a long punt return. They commit the pass interference penalty and then Lenny Fournette's running into the end zone with the touchdown like a couple plays later, and it, the game's already over. You can already feel it. It's like, oh, God, here we go. It's like all those high school games I used to cover, Luke, back in the day when I was covering high school football. Oh, for I, I was local there, paper. too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah there's running time, baby. Yeah, I could smell it. Oh, running time. I'll be home early. I'll be home for dinner. So, anyway, uh, but I think, you know, one of the biggest developments with the Bucks over the last couple weeks when they've, they've won four straight, they're allowing an average of only 14.75 points in those games. Now, they haven't played uh, a hard schedule. This has been a soft kind of stretch in the schedule. But this has been a good little thing, right? The defense kind of getting its swag back, I think. And, and you're starting to see it. And again, they made the Bears, which uh, supposedly that's a you know an, an NFL football offense. Didn't look like it, right? I mean, the Bucks have been turning up the heat on defense. I think that's one thing that is... Uh, Definitely been noticeable over the last these last four wins. Yeah, and it, it's huge when you consider the injuries, right? Uh, I, you Definitely. know, Sean Murphy Bunting went out in week one. He's still gone. Carlton Davis goes out in week four at halftime. He's still gone. Richard Sherman has been out since the first drive of the Eagles game two weeks ago. Levante David has missed the last two games. Jason Pierre-Paul missed a couple of games. You know, you've got injuries all over the place. Antoine Winfield missed the last two games with a concussion. So the fact that this defense has been able to rally – and put up 
impressive numbers, no matter who you're lining up against in the NFL, considering all the key players at, at really important positions that they've had out of the lineup. It has tested their depth. The other big-time players on the team have had to step up, and, and they've done that. And honestly, I think it's a silver lining to those injuries that once those guys all return, when the Bucks hit the, stre- the, the, the home stretch of this season, the regular season and into the playoffs, they're going to have a lot of players who don't have to start anymore that have a lot of starting experience now. So, you know, guys like Dee Delaney and Pierre Desir, who each had an interception on Sunday, uh, you know, those guys getting all these reps right now are going to be huge for the Bucks down the stretch once everybody gets healthy because they're going to have a, a lot of guys who have started a lot of and played a lot of snaps throughout the season due to those injuries. Now, one thing we've talked about over the weeks doing the show, Luke, is that the Bucks don't have a lot of weaknesses, and you know, that's what happens when you bring back the, the whole band from last year winning the Super Bowl, and the Bucks still don't have a lot of weaknesses. But like you just said, they do have some injuries at tight end, at receiver, in the secondary. So uh, could the Bucks be looking to make some type of move just to kind of supplement, add some depth here at the trade deadline, which is coming up on November 2nd? Well, let's, let's kind of look into some of that chatter. We'll do it coming up next. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. interesting. I'm Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for Week 8. Let's get right into it. Denver Broncos quarterback Teddy Bridgewater versus the Washington football team. The veteran quarterback gets Jerry Judy back in the lineup this week. Washington's tough to run against, but they're much weaker against tight ends and wideouts. With a capable pass-catching tight end and Noah Fant, and three deep of legit wide receivers, Bridgewater should find a lot of success in the passing game. The position has averaged a league-high 31.2 fantasy points per game against this defense, and the next closest team, which is Kansas City, has given up only 28. One in every 9.7 completions is a touchdown, and Washington has picked off just one out of every 69 pass attempts. Buffalo Bills running back Zach Moss versus the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo returns from its bye week to face one of the weakest defenses of the running back position. Moss is coming off his worst game of the year with 5.9 PPR points in week 6, so this matchup comes at the perfect time. Miami has allowed a ground score per game on average, and in the last 5 weeks this defense has improved some, giving up neutral stats across the board as its secondary has struggled to contain receivers, but with all of the attention paid to Buffalo's wideouts, Moss should be free to roam inside the red zone. On the other side of this matchup, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver Miami Dolphins at Buffalo Bills. The Bills have the strongest defensive wide receivers in the last five weeks, and only one of 46 catches has crossed the stripe. In week two, these teams met for the first time this year, and Waddle, mind you, it was his second game ever, caught six passes for 48 yards. He has at least as many yards in five of seven games this year, and a hearty 21 targets in the last two contests alone. Buffalo will be content to allow Miami to throw a lot of short area passes in effort to keep them from going over the top, and PPR gamers shouldn't be afraid of the statistical matchup. That said, expect a result cap somewhere in the mid-teens for PPR points. Tight end CJ Ozama, Cincinnati Bengals at New York Jets. There's definite risk in stumping for Ozama, even with a wonderful matchup, just because this offense has so many outlets for the football. The Jets have played really well versus wide receivers, which is Cincinnati's strength, but running backs and tight ends have chewed them up. In the past five weeks, New York has looked a lot more like gangrene than gangrene. Tight ends have averaged 18.8 PPR points on the eighth most catches and yards per game. Two of the 30 catches have scored. While it's always a risk that he could get lost in the mix with so many talented weapons around him, the matchup is super bright and Uzama is a worthwhile play. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. 
That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at typical sportsbook. For a limited time, new typical sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Luke, the trade deadline right around the corner. As I said before the break there, the Bucks just don't have a lot of weaknesses. But, you know, Gronk's been out with his injuries. The receiving group, it sounds like AB could be out for a while, Bruce said. So, you know, I do. I like Tyler Johnson a lot. But all of a sudden, the depth of wide receivers getting tested a little bit with AB being out along with Scotty Miller. And then, as you talked about, with the secondary, even Richard Sherman, they brought him in as, as depth. He's been out. So do you think the Bucks could make some type of move, maybe a small little depth kind of move at the deadline? Or will the only trade they make be to get Brady's 600 touchdown pass back, you know, the ball that Mike Evans gave, <laughs> gave away? Is that the only trade they're going to do? Yeah, and that you know that deal finally start, is looking a little better for that that guy, right? It's it the most publicized like, trade ever. You know, I know it was like, oh, they gave him a regular ball and a thousand dollars at the team store, and then literally social media was like, um, no, that's not going to cut it. So I think he's getting out of the deal with like a bitcoin and some uh, like a couple of jerseys that are signed, a couple of helmets that are signed. I think he got Evans cleats, so he, he's he's been made whole. I think his other request was a, a round of golf with Brady, which I thought was pretty pretty clever. That's that's uh, perfect. That's I love that. Like, did you see what Jerry Jones said? No, I didn't. <laughs> Jerry Jones, and you have to Google this. Jerry Jones said he's not giving that ball back because that's like asking him to give up his own baby. And, you know, I was like, man, as someone who's a new dad, I'm like, I'm not going to. That sounds I'm, like someone, something Jerry Jones would absolutely yeah, say. Yeah, it was like asking him for his baby. You know, I've seen, I mean, I'm sure that thing was worth at least six figures if you want to hold on to it, not not take the right. Bucks' first offer. Uh, and Mike Evans, of course, is giving giving that ball away to the crowd. And then his reaction on the sideline when he was told, it was hilarious. Um, it's not going to hurt Brady to, to shell you some actual money for it. But you know what? I actually love the round of golf. I'd say, you know, as a new dad, I'm not giving up my baby, Luke, as Jerry Jones said. But I would give up that football to Brady for like, okay, money. If you want to pay me, Brady, or something better than an autographed helmet, right? Like I want to ride on like the private jet. Like you can take me for a weekend in Costa Rica with Giselle if you want. We can all hang out on the beach. Maybe go or maybe go golfing or something. Maybe play some catch in the park. Like I don't know. Something a little bit better than an autographed helmet is what I'd be looking for. You want something that is, you know, as cool and unique and special as the achievement, right? I don't really see the Bucks make it a huge move, right? I mean, we talked about Ronald Jones, maybe, that thing, because it seems like he's been on the outs, but Bruce has shot that thing down, right? And as you were talking about before we started recording, uh, Rojo looked pretty good against the Bears. So, I mean, it it, it kind of reminds you that it's good to have depth at every position. So maybe the Bucks are just fine, but there's some names out there, right? Like, are you calling Denver about Kyle Fuller, who dressed for that game on Thursday night, but did not? I don't think he played a snap. He's clearly in the doghouse. So maybe you could be interested in him to add some depth at corner. I don't know. Like, you think the Bucks make any type of move like that? Yeah, I just don't see it. I think Fuller Fuller makes a little bit of sense in that I think the Bucks could be more interested in a in a pick for a player kind of a situation. But you also got to consider their their cap situation too. So right. you know anybody that they're absorbing. I know fans were going nuts a few weeks ago. You know, trade for Xavier Howard. Like, do you have any idea? <laughs> like how much that would not work financially with what, I mean, all the stuff they had to do just to get the guys back that they did and, and how they're going to have to foot that bill in the very near future. At some point, it won't matter if you, especially if you get another ring this year, but 
that bill's going to come due at some point. So that, that has to factor into it. And I just don't see them, like, even with regards to a guy like Rojo, who, again, six yards a carry, 10 for 63, I think, on Sunday, a, a great problem to have if you're trying to get through a whole season to have two guys that you can rely on uh, in, in him and Fournette. So I, I think Bruce was, was not just giving us coach speak when he was talking about the value that he brings. And I just don't, you know, what, if you're going to trade that guy, what, what could you possibly get for him that's going to help you win a championship this year? You know, if, if it takes Rojo to get a guy like Fuller, okay, maybe we're talking, but, you know, the, the, the Bucks also have paid lip service to the confidence they have in the corners they have. And just like I said a minute ago, those guys went out and balled out on Sunday. You know, Dee Delaney has a pick. Pierre Desir has a pick. Richard Sherman's over there coaching the corners because Kevin Ross is out, with, you know, on the COVID list, and he jumps in and puts a headset on and, and helps those guys win a football game. So I think they really like the guys they have, and I think obviously, you know, anything can change if the right move at the right price happens. But I just see this as a team who thinks we we have what we think we need to win a Super Bowl, and we like what we have. Those guys are injured, so these guys are getting reps. That's only going to help us down the, the road. I think Richard Sherman was really the last real, like, hey, we think we can upgrade somewhere else. Let's bring in this guy who has some experience. Uh, unless a really good deal comes across that they can make work financially, I don't see them trading a player for a pick. I could see them trading a pick for a player. The only exception I would say, maybe a guy like Steve McClendon, who is 35, 36 years old. He was a healthy scratch this past week. The, the defensive line snaps are, are all going to, to Vita and Sue and Golston. There's, you know, they're in nickel so much that they don't really use three interior guys at a time a lot. So, you know, maybe a guy like that, similar to, to how the Bucks acquired him last year, right? It was, you know, you bring him in, he was playing for the Jets who had no wins at the time, and then the Bucks trade for him because they need some veteran help on the defensive line. He stays with them, he gets a ring. That was helpful. He could be that guy somewhere else if he wants to play more. You know, if, if he just wants to stick around for a ring, he could do that. But I feel like if, if that's a conversation where Steve says, hey, I want to play, I appreciate it. It was great to win a ring last year, but I want to contribute. They could facilitate something where he goes somewhere else and then contribute somewhere for a late-round pick maybe. That, that's as much as I really expect from the Bucks at the deadline. It's a talking point to talk about the trade deadline, but this isn't like other sports, right? There's only going to be a handful of moves on Tuesday when the deadline rolls around. I, I really don't think it's going to be like – crazy wild wild west adam schefter breaking a bunch of news maybe but usually there's only a handful of big names right that, that get moved yeah we bring up kyle fuller i think it'd be prorated but it's i think he's making like nine million this year probably yeah not and that's happen. the thing you can't you know the bucks are in that unique situation where when there's no wiggle room to absorb the cap and obviously we make fun of the fact that the cap doesn't exist and the bucks have definitely tested that theory over this offseason but I, you know, there there does come a point where you're like, okay, we we cannot absorb nine million dollars right this second. There's, you know, yeah, you I can, don't think it's going to happen. You could only mess with future years so much before it comes back to eventually bite you, um, right? So, so there it is. We'll see if the Bucks make any moves. Not expecting anything, but hey, let's get to the the big matchup. The Saints, they kind of been the nemesis for the Bucks. We're going over to New Orleans. The Bucks are a five and a half point favorite on Tipico. Luke and I will get into that matchup coming up next. This is the typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bed Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Sunday Night Football matchup with the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Minnesota Vikings. Our friends at Typical Sportsbook have the Cowboys favored one and a half. Uh, the Vikings money line is plus 102. The Cowboys money line is minus 125. The over under is 45 and a half. 
I am on the Vikings plus the points. Actually, I'm just going to take the Vikings outright as a road dog. In the Zimmer era, they're 10-3 and against the spread as a home underdog. Also, Dallas is 6-0. and ATS record is due for some regression. I'm skeptical Dallas' defense is this good, and I like a healthy Minnesota offense to keep pace with the Cowboys. Nate. How do you see the Cowboys-Vikings game playing out? I'm going opposite on you, Jeff. Minnesota has a bottom 10 rush defense. Dallas ranks top three in rush attempts per game. The Cowboys are 5-1 and one and have won four of their last five by six or more. Dak is a surging MVP candidate, and their offense has been on fire. Give me America's team by more than one point. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Luke, on the Saints... Definitely not the same team they were last year with Drew Brees. So my question for you is like, is this the year the Bucks finally put the Saints behind them, right? Because the Saints are like, they don't feel like they're that good this year, but they're 4-2. and two. And if they win this game at home against the Bucks, they're back on top of the division somehow. So it's like, how the hell did that happen, right? So it's like, they're, they're very good on defense this year. Among the league leaders at 16.8 points per game, I think the side of the football the Bucks should be able to dominate, though, is their defense against Jameis Winston, right? In that in that offense with Michael Thomas is still out. Traquan Smith just came back last week. Um, I'm sure you saw the videos of Jameis Winston yelling at. Yeah, Traquan. he did not have a fun time. <laughs> no, he might he might leave again. Yeah. just because. Yeah, so it's like, you know, Jameis Winston. I mean, he's the starter over there, and it's like they're really. It's either it's either Sean Payton or Jameis Winston. They're just being really really careful and making sure he doesn't turn the ball over, uh, and and it's made the offense very conservative, and they're just not scoring a lot of points. They're averaging 23 a game, which is 10 points less than the Bucks at 33 points a game. So it feels like a matchup the Bucks should be able to exploit, but still the Saints, right? It's still that like big brother, that, that nemesis in the division. So it's still kind of scary going over there thinking you're going to go and blow doors. I feel like the Bucks should. What do you think? Is this the time? Yeah, I mean, this is, again, we talked about how the Bears game was circled. This one is too, because yes, the, the Bucks kind of got the the – Got that off their back with the uh, with the playoff win on the road last year, but this you know it's going to be a different beast this time. It's on the road, full stadiums. You know, it's that's a whole different ball game in New Orleans, right? So, you know, and and honestly, you know, a lot of the players, some of the players have changed, but you still have Sean Payton calling plays, and you still have Dennis Allen calling plays on defense, and I think that's a really underrated aspect of, of New Orleans success yep. is that he is one of the better defensive coordinators in the league. He's got the horses to execute it too. He's got some great players on that defense. Demario Davis was one of the most underrated players in the league. Obviously, we 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 know exactly what we're going to get when Marshawn Lattimore lines up across from Mike Evans on Sunday, and that's obviously going to be my favorite matchup. It always is. <laughs> be a couple um, a couple punches thrown, maybe. But listen, you know, it's going to come down to the fact that the the Saints have a very experienced, highly skilled coaching staff and a, and a scheme that understands what it is. They they know their identity and they execute it very very well. This game comes down to stopping Alvin Kamara, uh, and and it's it starts with that. Obviously, the Bucks have the, the the player to do that, and Devin White he's done it before. If they get Levante David back for this game, which would be huge, I think that would obviously you know help their chances immensely. But you know they're going to have to prove that they can do it again, that they can go into that hostile environment, in New Orleans, 
you know, yes, they won the Super Bowl last year, but it's go it's still going to irk them that they weren't division champs last year. They want that banner. They want to prove that this division belongs to them right now. And you have to go into New Orleans and beat the Saints to do that in the regular season. So after getting swept last year, this is definitely a, a measuring stick game, regardless of what the Saints have looked like at, at different times this year. Playing in your division is just a different beast. And this rivalry still means a lot to these players. And, and there's just so many fun storylines with this. I know the defense is going to want to get after Jameis and force him into the same turnovers they had to deal with for five years despite how well they played going seven and nine in 2019, despite how well the defense played because of 30 interceptions. They, they want a, a little taste of that on the other side. They want, they want to be the ones feasting off those bad decisions and those ill-advised throws. They don't, they don't want to get embarrassed by that guy. Man, I wish this game was in Tampa where right? with Jameis coming home, coming home to Tampa, just like that Brady game coming to going home to Foxborough. <laughs> yeah, but I, less, love, right? I love Halloween in new Orleans. Yeah, that's, that's true. That sounds fun as hell. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. Um. Yeah, my my take on this is like the Bucks just got to score, right? You just got to score. I don't think the I don't think the Saints can score with you, but you got to find a way to score against that defense. Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned what they're averaging per game. That's after they dropped thirty one in Week One on the on the Packers it's on true. the road, right? It's true, and it was it really all crazy. defense, right? It feels just like a mental uh, mental hurdle that the Bucks got to get over. Absolutely. Um. And, you know, so the the spread at five and a half, I'm leaning their way. I I think I like the Bucks even in the Superdome. I think the matchup. Um, is just a little bit favorable because, but you got to score points. You can't get into one of these slug it out, defensive, low scoring kind of games because they love that kind of game. You saw it with Seattle the other night. Like they, that's how right. they love to play. They they love to just punch you in the mouth and sack you on on the final play of the game, and that's it. Like they, that's how they want to play. They're not trying to win a shootout. They can't. So, uh, got to score points. The total being at forty nine and a half, I still kind of lean under. So I I feel like. I'm leaning Bucks minus five and a half and the under at forty nine and a half. I, I don't know why. I just that's just a gut feeling. I just think the Bucks should be able to get there. And if not, if they don't score in this game and it's in the teens, I'd be kind of worried. You know, I, I think the Bucks can score. The Saints are going to struggle to score. But what do you think about that total forty nine and a half? Yeah, I think you, know, we, you and I tend to agree on these, and, and I, I'm with you too. I, I think the Bucks can definitely handle five and a half, but I, I do think that the way their defense is able to play this game and as conservative as I think the saints will try to be to kind of control the, the, the tempo of this game and, and do very much what the, um, what the, the lions tried to do to the, to the Rams on Sunday and, and steal possessions and, yeah. and run the ball a lot. And it was more like, uh, did you watch Kansas play Oklahoma this weekend? A little bit. I saw pieces. It of was it. a lot of that, you know, going forward and getting it on fourth and short and, and running literally as many plays as possible on offense just to keep the ball away from the other offense. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to really come. You know, that's going to be huge for the Saints. But uh, again, I just see too much firepower. And I, I think the Bucks are still again, they're they're pissed off about getting swept by them last year. They want to prove that they're the, the cream of the crop in the division. And I think it might hold over from last week. They feel like they left a lot of points on the field last week in the second half especially against the Bears. And whatever they missed by not getting 50 points last week, they're going to want to tack that on this week against the Saints. This kind of makes me feel like almost like the Patriots matchup where you're playing a team that's you know is going to play you tough, but they're not that good of a team. I kind of, like the Saints, like... They're they, not, and it's not going to be raining. Right, it's true, right. And they lost to the Giants at home, and they really struggled to put away a Seahawks team that without Russell Wilson is pretty bad. Right, the Seahawks are yeah, not very in good the team. pouring rain. Yeah, yeah, not not very good. So it's not like the Saints are like these world beaters. They used to be. I don't know if they're still that team. 
but I still feel like the Saints are going to play you tough, right? It's, uh, but I do feel can, can Tampa Bay win this game by a touchdown? Absolutely. I, I think right. I, I think that's that's where I would bet. But I'd, I'd keep it small. This is a tough division game, Luke. It's kind of it's scary. Kind of scary going to New Orleans on Halloween, like you said. It's not going to be easy. I don't think it's going to. I no, don't think it's no, going to be a blowout. Definitely not going to be easy. And I think there is still a mental mystique to this matchup that the Bucks are going to have to prove they can get over. Uh, and that's that. That will contribute to I think fewer points than usual. All right, Jameis has to stay healthy. I'm looking forward to that return to Tampa Bay, though. That'll be a fun. That'll be a fun one. When we, when we Absolutely. That, yeah, when we do so. All right, man. Hey, good to be back talking football with you. Looking forward to this matchup. It's always fun when the Saints play the uh, Bucks. I mean, come on. Um, and now I guess I got to go back to got to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to you know change the diapers and get the onesies on and off and warm up the bottles and all that. I'm I'm st- I'm getting there, man. I need more rest. Hey, like soak it up, man. Soak <laughs> it up. Every moment of it. Appreciate you and appreciate all our listeners too. Don't forget, like we said, hit the subscribe button for us. Leave us a review. Say hi to Luke on Twitter. We'll be back next week. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.